All right. This is Words with the Bird, the crispy chicken podcast where we talk about language and just generally shoot the shit. I'm here with... My name is Mage. I um, shitpost on Twitter and talk about mushrooms sometimes. Hell yeah. So the point of this thing is that we're just going to talk about language from a, you know, what I would like to call a casual intellectual perspective. Like we're interested in thinking about these things, you know, and actually thinking about what they mean and not just being silly entirely. But we're also not interested in being so overly formal that it gets in the way. And so we're just going to, you know, have a chill conversation. Um, so, yeah, uh, mate, do you want to do you want to start with anything or if you don't, then uh, you can let me know and I'll pull something uh, out of my hat. Um. Sure. Yeah. I, I have this sense of, uh, nervousness right now or anticipation. And I, I've been, when I like play around with language with friends, um, it's really interesting sometimes to like talk about what is going on inside of yourself and bring that into the conversation. Cause I find that it affects the conversation in a really, um, interesting or like kind of useful way. And it like, it kind of greases the wheels to some kind of vibing zone sometimes so yeah so i'm just making totally agree and I'm I, voice <laughs> i totally agree I, i've noticed that with myself too um and i guess one of the things that i've noticed i'm definitely much more willing to do that than most people i think mm. there's definitely a kind of feeling of embarrassment around that kind of behavior which totally. i guess kind of makes sense because I think in an adversarial situation, people definitely use your feelings against you. And like probably people are used to some kind of like, I gotta protect myself kind of mentality. Like it's a, it's a common default. I feel like one of the things that voicing your inner world does is it takes the conversation from being about whatever it's purportedly about to how it's making you feel, which I personally feel is the actual point of most conversations. Like, even if you think you're trying to discuss the objective world, and you may really want to, fundamentally, that's driven by your emotions in a way that you can't stop those from being the primary object. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, that's, that's like, one realization I think that's been really key for me is, like, whenever you're talking, you're voicing whatever is in you and whatever is flowing through you at the moment. And it's it's almost never about the words. I don't know if I can say that because it's, you can't separate things. You can't say things are not something, but um, it's just, it's amazing like how obvious it is what's coming through in the words and how that's reflected based off of what you're perceiving and feeling in the world. In some sense, like there's no objective world. It's, it's like mm. two like points in space. that are like looking at, at space and, and saying like, this is where I'm at in space. And this is like, what I'm experiencing in space. And then the language is just kind of like this, um, the medium, like, or something that gets translated across, like those, those facts about where you are and what you're experiencing. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost completely detached. I don't know if detached is the right word. Maybe, um, maybe some sort of like phenomenological kind of thing instead of instead of any kind of objective outside thing there's just two different phenomenological experiences happening and they are relating to each other through something totally i really agree with this and i actually have a name that i like to call it um which is not by any means a popular name it's just what i think makes sense call i call it the coordination problem um because uh and to some extent it's a little bit annoying because maybe it's not always a problem but the reason i call it the coordination problem is because people like to 
people really like to fight over the thingness of things. So for instance, mm-hmm. like there's a classic, like what is a sandwich? Is a hot dog a sandwich kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's obviously driven by this desire for like phenomenology to have enough intersubjective robustness that you're good, that you can finally decide what is and isn't a sandwich. Um, and I think one of the things that is a place I tend to really disagree with, at least most people I see voicing opinions about this, is that people tend to say, words have come to mean less like what they were grounded onto. And I feel like that's mostly people observing the way words change in their functional capacities and that like the, the function actually is the meaning. So I have a kind of functional view of meaning that way. Totally. Uh, what was the first phrase you said? Or the the oh, kind of term you had? The, co- the coordination problem. Because I think, you know, you can, you can view it as like, if I want, you know, you to, let's say, get to a certain place on the map, I have to describe it in a way that I think mm. you're going to understand it, even if I have a preferred way of thinking about the world. I really have to cede a lot of space to the way that you're willing to think about the world. Definitely. No, I think that's so key. Because like, it's, it's, um, sometimes you get caught in these conversational or like traps where uh, it, it seems like the important thing to do is explain yourself or explain your mm. position on the map or explain what you're seeing in the map or in the world to the other person so that then they can see it too. Um, but that is often a very frustrating process where they're they're not actually ever going to line up with how you're thinking or what you're seeing because they're, they've got a different set of eyes and they've got a different set of experiences and they're looking at the world, a different world than you, like literally a different world than you. And, and their map is ever so slightly off from yours in a way that those kind of experiences, um, or terminology or whatever you're sharing just can't fit like so often so often um or it takes an incredible amount of like linguistic surface area or something or just volume of words and kind of sharing context to to get that um so i think like one of the things i've been finding out recently and a lot of recent conversations has been just how important it is to hold those kind of internally constructed things really loosely um and and have fun or play in the 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 new meaning and the new language that's created between like yourself and your your partners in dialogue. Um, and to me, that seems like really the the point or the enj- enjoyment in languages is in the creation of it, right? Um, with other people, like, and, and that's the thing that kind of gets you on like the same page or whatever. And isn't that like the most intimate part of a romantic relationship mm-hmm. to me too, right? Like I feel like every really close romantic relationship, even if you're a really close friend of both the people, you kind of see that there are these corners where you just don't exactly get what's going on. And you don't want to ask because it's these people who created a little corner that they can make distinctions and that basically if they started to explain it to you, they would have to start kind of, cleaning up the space and making it not what it is in order to, you know, yeah. kind of accommodate your understanding. So much. Yeah. Like, um, and I was actually on a zoom call the other night where I had that sort of experience happen. Um, like there were, there were these two people kind of leading the zoom call facilitating. And the, the sense I got was that we were all there in a group to, to be welcomed into and understand the inner experience between the two of them 
and this kind of language that they've been inventing, discovering, and playing with together. And it just felt so dead. It was like, I'm just, you're, you're explaining the joke to me right now. Like it's, you're like completely like, I'm here and we could be like creating this on our own, but you're explaining it to me. And it's, it's just killing whatever was there because it's, it, it's a different context. You're not with just that person. There's a whole new like relational space here with like the 10 or 15 people who are all together. And it's like, this is the now, and this is the the now to engage in. Like there was this other thing that was with this person you had, but that's no longer. Totally. I always feel that way when um, I talk to my parents pretty often and my mom's always like, what have you been up to? And I feel like a lot of the time when I tell her, it just sounds so empty mm. because I just yeah. can't get to her like, oh, well, this part of my work is really interesting because I'm, I'm getting together these things. And honestly, she's a really good sport about it. But I know that I'm not able to get across the fun of the game. And what's interesting mm-hmm. is I feel like the only time I'm really able to do that is with a metaphor. When I know she, you know, plays a certain kind of language game that I, I think is kind of analogous. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, there was a part of me at one time that like was like, okay, if I'm going to be friends with someone or if I'm going to have a romantic relationship like this should be a person that like i can explain a lot of different things i'm excited about or into to them and it it it, i've been learning that that's not um maybe the most useful way to look at it it's it's there's like maybe a desire to have fun or or be excited and engage in like those kind of meaning making activities and then there's there's the actual opportunities for meaning making um, with different sets of people and it's different with different sets of people. And you can't just bring old experiences into new contexts like that, because when you're bringing the old into the new, um, you're, you're erasing the possibility of creating new in the moment, which is the fun part. Yeah, absolutely. The first time I got my heart broken, my mom, I was talking to my mom about it and I was like, I look at it and I really know it'll literally never be the same. And my mom was like, it really will literally never be the same. (laughs) And you won't think about it that way at all by the time Mm -hmm. it's different. Yeah. And I I definitely hold on to that. I think about that a lot. I think she was spot on. Oh, that's so good. I love that. On a similar subject, I feel like there's this, how do I say it? I really vibe with what you're saying about bringing in the, you know, old and like this this difficulty and this game that we play. I'm struggling to say this exactly, but I feel like um, there is also this element of a lot of the times. So, you know, when we started this, you're talking about making kind of your internal state explicit. And hmm. I feel like there's this line you have to ride there, which is super subtle. And I actually think most people get this wrong of it's really good to be able to be kind of intimate at will and be able to kind of open yourself up like that. And I still feel like most people either can't do that or when they can, they do it too much because they think kind of in an almost like rationalist way that if they expose everything that we could all just solve the puzzle together and kind of yeah. be done. 
mm-hmm. it's very easy to fall into this idea that like at some point you're going to achieve a bird's eye view and then actually see the problem for real as if like the problem is that simple. Definitely. Yeah, I I'm trying to think back um and like picture what I was trying to do in that moment when I was talking about that at the beginning of our conversation. And like there's an element of um like this is something that's in me right now and I know it's going to be in me and I want to it was almost like self-directed like I'm I'm treating this part of myself right now and bringing it into the space. And it was also um, in a sense, like kind of, um, wanting to be like tone setting. Cause like a little bit, bit of part of me was like, okay, I really don't like talking about like grammar or like really these particulars of linguistics or like, I want to have an experience right now. And I want to, I want to be in the moment with you. Like, and I want to make it clear that that's what I want. Um, so we can, we can play together and we can, you know, exchange and create metaphors and things like that. Yeah, I vibe with that. So how I perceived it is that like there was this empty space where this is obviously the first time we've talked to each other vocally Mm -hmm. and, you know, we've seen each other on Twitter and had conversations. But I think that the key is kind of there was this immediate vacuum that, you know, I purposely kind of gave to you to fill. And I feel like you wanted to fill it with an emotion. And that was like the simplest way to fill it with emotion rather than like kind of feigning a a topic. Right. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, and one of like the, the biggest things I've been learning the past couple of years has been that, um, hmm, filling it with an emotion, like that just brings to mind, like this, like kind of tautological type of creation, um, where, where there's some, there is something right. And from what is, we can draw out more of that thing that is right. You can't create out of nothing. You're always creating out of something. And, and I think when we try to create out of nothing or when we try to be like, okay, here's something interesting or here's like my hot take about this. Let's talk about the hot take in, in a way that's um, maybe not, uh, I don't know, in, in a way that maybe tries to be interesting or tries to does something that doesn't account for the wholeness of what the moment is. Um, it's, it just is this really abstracted foundation and it's hard to get to that space of play and vibe and kind of enjoyment back and forth. Um, but when you're, when you kind of bring in something that's real and something that's like, you know, this is like very minor, this is just like a thing I'm feeling right now. Um, but it's real. And like, when you have something real, then you can, you can go somewhere, you know? I do. I know exactly what you mean, especially cause I feel like I, um, I do make this mistake at myself all the time, even though I don't think I make it at other people very much. So Mm. I think I will be like, I really want to write now. And I have a lot of ideas that I want to write down. But when I try to do it that way, and I'm like, okay, now is my time to write. I feel super empty about what should go on the page. I'm like, does any of this matter? Who am I writing to? Mm. What is this? And I feel, feel like I need to capture rather the hook of when something happened or I saw something or I heard someone say something. And then I was like, ah, this essay to these kind of people, to the kind of people who think this or to a specific subset of people (laughs) that I know have this experience, that's what it is. Um, And I feel like I forget that because I abstract away the topic of the essay or the content. And then I kind of try to force myself into this way of almost just like listing the pure protein without, you know, any direction as to the kind of organism it should create. 
Yeah. So you're saying it feels better when you have that kind of audience or the experiences in mind that you're writing towards? Yeah. And I think the thing about it is that only really happens spontaneously. That yeah. If I try to sit down and have an audience, that's a crazy, weird. it feels crazy weird. Oh my God. Yeah. No, that's, that's been a huge, um, I've had this huge change in like my reading and my writing over the past year, especially since the pandemic. Well, that is the last year. Right. Um, but I, 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 I like to journal. Um, I set the bar really low for myself. So I'm like, I have a journal. If I ever want to write in it, I'll write in it. So I've been going through like, you know, like a one every two years so far. And I've been like, since the beginning of college, I've been like, what was that? Six or seven years ago. Um, so I, um, yeah. Hmm. So I guess, yeah, that practice kind of grew out of like whatever is in me at the moment. If it needs to go somewhere, it can go there. But like the last like year or so writing and reading has been so hard for me, like unless it's been in relationship. And I think the pandemic has had so much to do with that. It's like, I'm, I don't know how this works for other people but I'm a very extroverted person and I love being with people to the extent that like, I can usually only do things like if I'm with people um, or like kind of like that output, those kind of things. Uh, it's like writing. Like I've had so many like long email exchanges with friends over the last couple of years uh, that I've like, that's like where my thinking over the last couple of years is stored is in email chains and like messaging conversations and things like that. And that's when it emerges out. And that's when like, I'm drawing from whatever's in me and that gets expressed and it's safe somewhere that I can go look back now. Um, but whenever you write, like whenever I try to actually just write, it's like, well, what's the point of this? This is not done in relationship or it's not being done with someone. Um, I like that phrase you used um, a few minutes ago about there was this like empty space between us at the beginning of the conversation. Um, and it, was going to be filled with something, right? The, like that, that kind of um, like writing in exchange and conversation feels the same, I think, where, where it's easy to produce stuff in conversation because there's a space for it to go. Whereas like, if I'm just writing things for me or if I want to write some notes down about what I was thinking about during the day, it's like, there's no space for it because there's no um, emptiness or any kind of distance between me and something else for it to go into if that makes sense it makes total sense there's like a million things i want to say about that one side thing i'll say is that um in i i really empathize with this emails and like the, the conversational a aspect it's funny i'm definitely similar to you i'm i'm definitely an extrovert um even though i think in reality i tend to keep to myself significantly at least in the last I would say, you know, maybe a few years, but it might even be a decade because I find that I am an extrovert, but I feel like I don't have the vibe of a lot of the groups that I've been mm. in. And so I like have to get people one on one or find the right group. But that's actually very difficult because I feel like I'm have a very different standards for, for what makes me happy in a space. Um, but in like, I basically did not have really um, any real friends um, until about sixth grade. And in sixth grade, I did this writing project with the three people who became my best friends. Um, and the next semester, they basically moved us all into different um, like groups. So we were in the same classes because they felt mm -hmm. like we talked too much. 
<laughs> and so I would write an email to each one every day because no. I just like wanted to keep in contact with them. And I did it for a hundred days. That's so and cool. it was just, it was the thing that kind of opened up writing to me for the first time. And so mm -hmm. I, I just really empathize with that. Gosh. Yeah. I love that. The other thing is basically that I feel that, you know, this idea of having pushing writing into a space between people rather than in any direction. I'm curious about just like, you know, how you feel about um, just, I don't know how to describe it other than like life and the point of life in general uh -huh. in this space, because I think something that's always kind of almost contradictory for me is I really want to write. And that's really important to me because I kind mm -hmm. of believe in this thing that uh, Nietzsche said that like history is a conversation between the greats that mm. like it's the really important pieces of work that uh, that matter and i don't think there's an objective notion of important but i think for any given person the way they perceive history basically if they're vital and believe in things and sincere is as like oh look at these amazing things that have happened um and i feel that i want to contribute to that conversation but i feel mm. at the same time often like super confused about who that conversation is really with and and who I should be directing it towards. And it kind of makes me go back and forth about what I really want to say. And I, I do feel like basically the profound driver in my life is that I, I want to explore communication in a way that I feel like is underexplored in the, in the literature that I've seen. And I've, I've seen a bit of the literature. Um, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, um, communication is the point of your life necessarily. But I'm curious, like, the a what you think about life in general and b how you think that affects your style of communication oh that is a great question i like life generally um <laughs> i i'm a big fan of life i hmm a minus wow i really love that question <laughs> um The, the the kind of words or like pictures that are coming to mind are like of flow and organicness and of energy and things green and growing and evolving and changing. And um there you oh you said the word history. I really like that. And you talked about history. And and I've been on this kick recently where like I don't know if it's just from the pandemic or something else, but like I'm almost unable to like uh conceive of time in the same way that i used to where totally. like now i i i i i read this one um little anecdote about this indigenous people group who thought about time as being in front of them where we think about or history being in front of them where we think about the future being in front of us i think a lot in at least western countries um and and that's like the best way to describe it is like whatever I'm seeing beyond what like physically I'm seeing um, is that which has been like in my head and bouncing around and resonating and in this like echo chamber of my mind. And what I see and when I like project onto the external world, it's all these assumptions and like things I've experienced beforehand. And even when I make plans for the future, it's it's all in terms of things that have happened to me in the past. Um, and there's this different sense I get when I'm in the present moment of like this aliveness and lifeness that those things are still in awareness, but they, they're less loud. 
um, then maybe a, a time or space for making plans. And, you know, they're very definite and you, you're, you make plans, you're projecting them onto the future. Um, you're projecting your past onto the future. Um, but in terms of communication, like it, it, it feels like this, um, like mesh kind of network of connections, like of nodes. If you're a node, there's all these edges to different nodes and, and they kind of like fade in and out people in your life fade in and out. And, and when they're there in the present moment or when you're engaging with them in the present moment, you can choose to breathe into those spaces in a way that um, you, you are being into them or becoming into them and you are sh- uh, sharing yourself into them. And those things themselves are alive, like those relationships and those spaces between people are alive. Um, yeah. So hmm, communication. Yeah. I think it's very special. I think it's sacred. I don't know where that went with your question, but that's what came out. <laughs> I like it. No, I mean, so the way I interpret that is um, it sounds like you kind of view all of this stuff as like, as essentially what I would call an ecological process, right? As yeah, this yeah. part of this system that that lives and breathes. Um, and that's actually, by the way, there's this great uh, monologue in uh, Angels in America, which is a play that I like a lot. And it's talking about how any kind of large system, like a government, is this thing that has organs and it has gases flowing through it. And it's this, it breathes in a way that you can really see. And I, I very much believe that. Um, and I, and I think that's, and that's what you're getting to. And to me, so I like tend to call this kind of, um, when we, when I talk technically like a systems view of language and, and I very much agree with you that basically to me, you know, language is created and shaped by the fact that inherently there are certain ways we want to interface with people. And I think basically the way we have to deal with other people changes a lot and so we're always figuring out how we can interface with them right and so like yeah. like you're saying with covid everything has changed about the way we interface with people but our desire to be in contact with them in certain ways yes. to discuss beliefs and disagreements and feel out what other people are feeling and have a close you know crew and have a slightly less close crew that's slightly larger and mill about and have some variation and rotation none of those things have changed and so i feel like we're always kind of solving the problem of our own ecology with language that's kind of how i view it oh absolutely yeah i jam with that i like that a lot i i love the word desire and and that's something that's been really salient to me recently too, like the, uh, this like image of like desire is this thing that's flowing through everything, right? And it's flowing through in these patterns of relationship and what things are in relationship to anything else. And and when I have this this life, this desire flowing through me, there's these different connections that it can flow to, right? Those spaces that are open between people. Um, and if there's a space open, the desire can flow into it and mix with theirs and create something new. And and those new things are really like what we grab onto in relationships. And like, I think of like your earlier example with talking to your mom about um, like sharing, you know, like your research with her and that's being like, oh, this is kind of weird, you know? And then her, the other time when, 
there was a breakup or something. And she shared that, uh, oh, whatever the quip was, I liked it with you. Like that was like that, that quip that she shared was like a real thing. And it, it was like this new kind of metaphor that you could both grab onto together. Um, so yeah, like with COVID, um, like desire flows like in a different way. Cause we're cut off from people and, and the, the mediums that flows through is completely different. So like the ways it manifests is different, but like even, even like the, the enjoyable part of that desire is, is still the creation of like those new metaphors with people. Cause when you get to make new metaphors and when you get to share things that are salient and construct those things together, that's like what your relationship grows on. It's like the substrate. It's like you're creating this thing between the two of you. That's like this linguistic structure that you can both grow on and explore together. Um, so like I look at Twitter and the kind of ways I've been using that since the pandemic and the way that desire has been flowing there. And there's all these like little kind of different memes or different kind of points of relationship with different people and accounts I interact with. Um, like for instance, like with uh, egg profit or, people like that, uh, like spelling things really wrong and just typing really quickly and then pressing send tweet without editing. Like that's, Absolutely. it's just a, a thing, you know? And I think there's something really interesting there because I think a lot of people who talk about, so I think some of the people who I think get language most right um, and get that it's creating the semantic structure in these games that people want to play, they miss out on, a key detail, which is that at the same time, language is not just deeply grounded, but almost in a some sense entirely enriched by the actual things that you do and feel. Yeah. So like, you know, with these typing things, you're gonna laugh at some point. Maybe you don't laugh at all of them, but there's probably one that like went just a little farther than you expected and you <laughs> laugh. And the physical experience of laughter mm. is something that you will grab onto in a way that I feel like most of these socially con social constructivist theories, even though I am largely a social constructivist, kind of never really properly grapple with. And I think that's something that, you know, we don't grapple with enough about with relationships and what communication means that, like, I talk to people differently if, you know, we have a hearty hug beforehand mm. that like, you know, I think yeah. people, you know, both overestimate and underestimate the, you know, capacity for sex to change a relationship because it isn't just X thing. It really isn't. Mm. It's a anchoring point that future communication relies on because as soon as you have shared attention with a person um and and you kind of have some, enough overlap in the phenomenological experiences that you know something is similar and you have some idea of what they were experiencing they have some idea of what you're experiencing in a moment that becomes part of the automatic calculus you think of when you think mm -hmm. of trying to communicate with them and i feel like that's something that um one of the reasons why language has gotten a bit crazier on twitter is because we're trying to create that over text and basically you know pipe this really high density signal so that it comes out to someone else and creates a mutually shared experience. Definitely. Yeah. Oh man. There's, there's a lot in there. I really like, um, I'm going to pick out one of my favorite bits, the, this idea of like kind of grounding communication in physical reactions or physiological experiences. 
um, and and ah, uh, I I I have this um, memory in my head about the Zoom call I did with some Twitter mutuals uh, over a month ago now at this point, and there was a time in the conversation where somebody acknowledged what was physically happening to them or what they were feeling or something like that. And the whole conversation just shifted from there. Like uh, they mentioned like how they kind of felt about the space of relationship we were in. And once they acknowledged that there was a feeling an actual felt sense to that space that we were all in together, everybody else was like, wait a second. (sighs) We can acknowledge that this is physical too. And we can stop trying to pretend that it's just this abstract thing we're playing with. And as soon as that happened, the actual momentum of the conversation shifted directions. And we entered the space of sharing um, like, like the abstract things that came up for us, but also grounding them in the physical, not, not even just in a weird, you know, this is what I'm feeling right now. And this is what I'm thinking, but um, maybe in a more nuanced way than that, you could just kind of tell it was happening. And, and whenever someone entered or, or brought the fullness of that into the space in however, whatever language they used, um, you could literally see in each of the other gr- uh, boxes on the Zoom grid, like people's posture changed, people's um, like they they relaxed or like they sighed or they laughed or they you know, smiled or, and there were changes. And I can contrast to that, like to other zoom calls I've been on, which have been like meetings. And like, this is a thing we are talking about this, we're getting this done. Um, and you look at the zoom grid and it's so fucking boring. It's like, there's no emotion. There's nothing happening. People are like, you know, scrolling Twitter, like trying to avoid being in the space because it's painful. Cause there's no space there. It's just dead. Totally. So, one thing that I've specifically noticed in this capacity is there's a huge difference between talking on the phone or on Zoom with someone whose mic is a little bit weird or wrong mm-hmm. or like cheap. And it tests, it, it sounds a little kind of mechanical or screechy or like through a veil um, kind ofness. And the second, so that happened to me um, today with a friend of mine who usually doesn't have this problem with his mic. And I didn't want to bother mentioning it because I kind of only really realized it a little bit through conversation. I was like, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But it made it feel, I couldn't help feeling like I wasn't watching, like I I couldn't stop myself from feeling like I was watching a movie. Hmm. And because of that, it was so hard almost to know to respond because I caught myself like just just like watching it like I was watching an episode of some TV show and being like, oh yeah, this is kind of interesting, but I'm not there. Um, and so I think, you know, I hear you describing the kind of thereness. And I think there are a lot of these key little elements that create thereness that we're not oh. very good at manipulating. And honestly, a lot of the time, these platforms don't give us a signal to even notice what's happening on the other end. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love that word. That's new to me. Thereness. That's, that's so good. That feels so alive. Um, yeah, like there was a one point in that zoom call, the same one I was describing earlier with the Twitter mutuals where, uh, my internet was kind of cutting out or my signal was bad and there was this jittering and happening and we were like, okay, we'll just do the, we'll go to voice chat to make it easier so we can hear each other. And it was only like two minutes of that. And I was like, I can't do this. 
I can't do this. Like knowing what we had before where I could see body language and I could see expressions and eyes. It was like, I'm missing so much right now. And this is like almost painful in comparison. Um, and like, we'll just put up with the internet. We'll like kind of wait for it to, you know, come back and load. But like, I need that, those signals of theirness. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious and I'm, I'm totally open to negativity or F- FYI, but what do you think about this conversation so far? How is the thereness? Would it, would have, would video have improved it? Oh, okay. First of all, I'm really glad that you asked that. Cause like, um, that's feels felt sense wise, like to me, like one of those things that grounds a conversation or makes it more, uh, real in some sense and less abstracted. Um, and it says like, I'm paying attention and I care about this kind of thing. Uh, and like some kind of like self-reflective of the, the space kind of sense, which I just think is really cool. Like, I just enjoy that. Um, I completely forgot your question, but I think you asked about, uh, oh, just, what, do you, the, what do you, what do you, or whatever, what do you feel about this conversation? Um, and, and the thereness present and how a video would have changed it. Hmm. I, yeah, I, I don't know if video, I don't think video is a factor right now for me. Cause like we didn't start out with video and this is like, this is the first time we've talked. So this is in itself, like just cool. Like this is kind of fun. Um, it does feel a little bit to me and I say this to experiment with it and see what it does to our conversation, how it changes it. Oh yeah. It feels fast. Um, mm. And it feels like, it feels real, but it feels like constrained within this um, maybe narrow band of some kind of idea space um, that like I'm fitting, I'm fitting what my reactions are to this idea space. I just get this sense of like a, not a thin as in like zero width, but like a maybe four inch slice of space. I don't know what that means. Um, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, I, I, I get, I, I get the feeling. So here's the first question, then. Go for it. You think is there is there any thought that immediately comes to you if I say, okay, what's what what jumps off of that idea space? So what's what what would penetrate it and 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 put it, get off of the plane of this uh, four inch uh, idea sandwich? I, I think you just did it, and I think that's how <laughs> I see that we were in there was like you 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 asked what what about this conversation and thereness and then i it it gave me a second to like breathe and say like huh this is like what i'm feeling in relation to the space and i think it was like that angle on it where where i could see that there is a slice because like when i picture the slice in my head it's like i'm at an angle to it i'm not within it i'm at an angle to it um yeah what does that bring up for you what is what is that? So it brings up something that's very close to my heart, actually, which is that um, I kind of have this thing I like to say, which is that that nothing is shallow. That I, I brought up to my mm. friends a long time ago. I read it in high school because I I feel like there's so I've always been this kind of person. I, I want to write. I want to talk with people who have ideas. Like I, I just mm-hmm. love ideas. That's my thing. Um, and yet. I've had this feeling that I never felt really comfortable in a community of intellectuals, essentially, because there's this understanding that they've refined the game of ideas into a certain kind of game. Yeah. Um, and that, 
you know, you, everything has its place. And so, like, something that definitely happens with academics is, like, you'll mention something and they'll be like, well, that's anthropology. And yes. Like, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I know what you're talking about. And, like, I hate it. It feels so fucking, like, we've already invented the language for that. Why would you even dare to suggest that you could possibly have a contribution? It's like, well, I wasn't really saying I have a contribution. I'm just, like, trying to, you know, just, just be here with you guys because I think you're cool kind of thing. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, one of the specific ways it really gets in the way of things is it makes it so if you're even going to begin to comment on something, you have mm-hmm. to have really had the background. And it, by the yeah, time yeah. you have the background, you forget the kind of things you wanted to say and you start viewing everything from that lens. And so there's yeah. no real way to change it. No, no. And like the whole thing is built off of like like these like touchstones, like, like this is the first time this happened. We're going to reference this, like this person had this idea and we think they're really important. So we're going to reference is that. And it's, it's, um, it's almost like this, like we, we talked about like relational, like the, the space between people having structure earlier. It's almost like this kind of stone castle that, that you have to like go into and then you serve the castle. You're not, you're not serving, you're not expressing yourself at all. You're serving the castle and you're, there's just all these other academic scholarly people sweeping the steps or like adding a turret or something like that just for the castle's sake, because they love the castle, this thing that's like dead and stone and, and they're all there and they, they're, you're human, right? So they deeply want to relate to each other, but the only uh, way that's open for them in their social structure of like academia or university or whatever is to take care of the castle and then occasionally say hi to each other in the hallways when they pass by. Agreed. No, I, I think that's exactly right. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think, I think it's a big problem and it, and it makes me wonder a lot about the future of not necessarily academia, which I don't know. I don't know what will happen and it has a lot of momentum. So kind of doubt it's going away in any capacity, but it makes me wonder about what will be the seat of intellectual discourse and where people get their mm. ideas from and, and who will write books and who will write, um, you know, new analyses of what's going on with the world and who will read them. Um, and I think one of the things that's crazy um, is there clearly is this, I, I don't think I've ever seen a time when the media ecosystem was changing faster. Mm. And I think one of the things that kind of blows my mind is that, you know, so Substack is actually you know in some sense less lucrative for a writer in terms of like the raw percentages you get they take 10 percent, i think um mm-hmm. and i think review which is like the company i think twitter bought uh that does newsletters takes five percent so you know they're taking a significantly larger margin but they're kind of making this claim that look we are the you know defenders of free speech and we're going to create this thing and they and they kind of back that up by paying certain writers that they think is are important to kind of like seed this community and I don't know, I have no idea whether that's going to last or anything, but I think there is this, like, I think I've always kind of thought, oh, you know, the media system is going to experience a lot of change and I don't know where it's going. And I feel like this year it's become apparent to everybody that this is Mm -hmm. the case. And like, obviously it was just a prediction, not like I knew. Um, And I feel like now though, I have no clue what like writing 
in five years is going to look like. Like, we'll still write essays, but where will you put them? Who's going to read them? Is it going to be a local group that you know? Like, is everything going to be through, like, uh, private group chats? Like, how is the surface of information sharing going to look like? I have no idea. Yeah, that's a great question. What comes to mind is, like, this... um, Like, there's there's essays, right? And there's journal articles. And they are kind of like these monolithic statues or like they just kind of exist out there and their purpose is just to exist to be read and when you think about that like the 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 space there between the the relationship between reader and writer is is zero in a sense because there's no there's no possible um like the, the flow is going only in one direction. Like the language creation is going only from the writer to the reader and there's no way to respond. Or there's no way to kind of have relationship in those types of publications, maybe. Um, totally. Especially like academia. And, and then you look at like, well, what's happening around that in the system. And then you get into like, Oh, wait, there's actually real relationships behind these things. These are not just ideas that they're still expressions of relationships, but like, you just don't see them. Like they're an expression of like this group of researchers who became friends at a conference, or uh, they're an expression of these people who met on Twitter and they're zoom calling all the time and they're DMing and they're, they've got like a telegram chat too but you don't see any of that. You just see like the writing that they produce and put out to the world. Um, and maybe they're encouraging each other to be writers or something like that. But it, uh, it's like in some sense, like the, that kind of writing is like an expression of the community it comes from. And I think what's like always bothered me about academia uh, is that it's treated as like this objective kind of thing rather than expression of a relationship situated in time and place and history. Agreed. And I think that's something that's funny because, you know, so I think, for instance, a lot of, uh, you know, anthropologists or ethnographers uh, do something which I think is meant to alleviate this and, and does something, but I'm not sure I entirely agree with it, which is a lot of them will begin with a long description of their lives and themselves yeah. and the place that they're in. But I feel like a lot of the time it's meant to push away the worries of subjectivity and kind of factor themselves out as if you could modulo it right as if you could say well minus all of the stuff that i'm telling you take Uh away the real message yeah and it feels like it's not used very well in that capacity and i think something you know that i think you're spot on about especially like we say oh these researchers are friends and then we like oh but that's not why they're the paper and i think (laughs) one of the things that is funny is that a people do write papers with people that they don't like but if they do, it's because something else was bringing them together. And there is something. Um, and that something is honestly, in my opinion, relatively rarely like the belief in some fundamental thing they have to share with the entire field. It's usually an opportunity that they see to like that something seems like something that can be grasped immediately. Um, and so in many ways, I think papers are an expression of what people think is already crystallizing in the minds of their peers. And that's yeah. how I tend to read them. Yeah, that's so great. I, I'm actually staring at this book on my coffee table right now. I'm in my couch in my living room. Um, and it was just, just came in the mail. And I have a chapter that I co-wrote in there 
um, and did a lot of research for. And, and as I was doing like the research in it, um, the, the PI I was working for, uh, kept like expanding the authorship team. And I was like, what is going on? Cause I, this is my first time. That was my first experience doing any kind of academic writing. Um, and I was like, wait a second, the words I'm writing and the, like the research and the references I'm collecting, they don't mean anything. They're just a vehicle. Like I'm, my job is not important. My job is literally to create the shell that they can put their names on. And the collection of names is the important part because what, what the objective was with that publication was to say like, Hey, these are people that are like really cool and aligned with what we're thinking. And you think they're cool. So like, give us money or let me have this other position that, that I'm applying for or something, you know, like it was entirely this political tool and it was incredible. It was like, wait a second, the words beyond the author's names at the top of the paper, they don't matter. It was like the relationship has already been created. And and this is like, it, I thought that was really cool. I was like, that's interesting. That's yeah. a new way of thinking. No, I think that's, I think that's a really important realization. Um, and I, I totally feel that I've realized similar things all the time. Um, and I feel like what's interesting, I guess I kind of view it, and I, I think a lot of people think this is sad, but I don't, that the purpose of most human activity is to create coalitions. And then yes. at the very end, at the leaf node, sometimes you decide to do this tiny bit of work that gets things done, but it's yeah. only at the very end. It's really, yeah. most of it is just getting everything in position. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. Yeah. <sighs> How are we feeling, by the way? I don't know how long you want to go, so I'll check in. You we're at fifty minutes, um, and I'm game for however long uh, you want to go. But I, I'm good for any time, including saying we should start to wrap it up. Um, huh? It did not feel like that long. Uh, this is like, I, and I'm, and I'm good. Go, keep going. So, did it, what, did whatever. It, did it, is it also pass quickly for you, or is it like dragging on? Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's not dragging on. I'll let you know if I'm really. Uh, if I'm really anything. Actually, you know what I think would be good? I think I'll go like use the restroom. I'll take a minute and um and do you want to come back? Are we good? Yeah, for sure. I'll be waiting Let's for you. Let's do it. Okay. Sounds perfect. Intermission. Okay. Are you there? Yep. I'm right here. I'm gonna say something funky that I think a lot of people would just like. Um but I'm curious, maybe I'm taking too much of a risk. Uh, someone's going to dox me and then uh, use this to ruin my career. But um, I'm curious what you think of it. So I think that in contrast to most of the people that I get along with, um, I like to say that uh, my primary driver is pure rage. Um, and I think what I mean by that is there are a lot of things that I've cared about since I was pretty young. Um, I've always, for instance, been interested in studying humans and, and how they how social behavior basically gets created. And yet, I feel like when I've tried to talk to people about this since I was a very young kid, often they would give me really clearly wrong, annoying answers, and I would kind of try to argue with them about it. Mm. And I wouldn't be able to get anything out of them. And then I noticed that actually this is kind of true about 
almost anything that I would kind of try to push that it always felt like I was pushing on something that people felt like I, I, I shouldn't be pushing on. And then I would kind of get put in a corner. Um, and I think this experience for me uh, has basically made it so that I essentially am very angry at the way a lot of things happen, um, especially in intellectual discourse. Um, but because of that, and because I think I'm so mm. in love with the idea of taking part in the historical conversation of, about certain ideas about history and communication, that I like almost view it as my job to make space for that. Like in undergrad, all the people I think I was really close to basically either chose to work jobs where it's not necessarily their biggest passion, but they like some aspect of it, or they are really pursuing kind of like ideas in some sense, like in art, um, rather than like kind of making a space for like some of the kind of more rigorous intellectual pursuits. Um, and I don't say rigorous as like, a necessarily better thing, but it is different. Um, you know, like having standards of evidence is very different than having an art piece. And I, I don't think one is better than the other, but it is a very different thing. Um, even though we were all interested to some extent um, in some of the rigorous stuff. And I feel like the reason that I took that of everyone is because I care more than just about the subject, about making space for the people who wouldn't enter now because there's no, like if they were to do it, they would have to fight constantly to be heard in any meaningful sense. And so they don't see any reason to bother. Um, and so I say I'm, I'm driven by rage and, and I'm curious how you feel about that because I'm um, just to be super explicit. It feels to me like you are a, a great example of, but, but certainly not the only example of someone who I get along with well um, and I share certain ideas with. And yet, I feel like, you know, the way at least you describe yourself is like very kind of, I don't know how to say it other than organically in tuned into with your environment, you know, flowing and vibing and feeling the good feels and, and pursuing like goodness um, through kind of natural, uh, kind of naturally following your nose. And in, in many ways, I view myself as the exact opposite, even though I get, I feel like I get along with a lot of people who, who um, you remind me of. And I'm curious how, what you think about that, if you have any thoughts. Definitely. Um, hmm. The, hmm. The kind of, in some senses, I really identify with what you're saying. Because like, I used to be this kind of person who was like, maybe this isn't what you mean, but who was like, oh my God, the world is just so wrong. And like, I need to like create some space for like what, what is like good or what I think is good to allow to it, it to exist. Um, or like, damn, there's this like really long road in front of me of like having to prove that this thing is like useful or good uh, so that like we can do it collectively together. Um, maybe that doesn't resonate. I don't know. But the, oh fuck, I just forgot my thought. It'll come back in a second. Just, oh yeah. Like the, hmm. So like a lot of the things, maybe the only things I've learned in my life have been through failure um, and like being kicked out of a space. So um, like recent example, like I was, I took six years in undergrad um, and the last semester, this like pandemic came out of nowhere. 
uh, and like just threw everything off. And I had like two classes left and I just dropped out of school because I was like, I'm done with this. Fuck this. I have no energy for this anymore. Um, and like, I, I had all these dreams within that space for like, I'm going to create space for this kind of life giving research that I love, or like, I'm going to create space for us to do like really great work or like really important stuff or this is how it should be done kind of thing. Like, I love this. And this is like, everybody else needs to love this too, or something like that. Um, and, and I think one of the things I've been learning, like through kind of dropping out and being like, okay, this actually wasn't an accessible environment for me. Like this, like didn't, it was bad or like, it was these kind of experiences like made me feel bad or were kind of traumatic or whatever. And it was like, huh? Okay. Well, this is really sucks. And like, a lot of my energy is like focused back on this and like, how do I deal with this anger? And then another part of me was like, okay, what do I do in the current moment and how do I live? And, and I started, I've been starting to find people over the last year who are outside of like this academic kind of realm. And the, it's so much easier to vibe with them. Um, in the, in the sense of like, they're not chaining themselves like to go back to that earlier metaphor uh, to a castle and, and limiting themselves to like life, like saying hi to somebody in the hallway briefly. Um, like, like there's, um, Hmm. Do you remember what your question was originally? Help me grab it. Uh, yeah, it was pretty open-ended. It was just literally, uh, what do you think about, you know, my description of you as, as like, organically vibing, my description of me as being driven by rage. Um, but, hmm. you know, I really think you should take it wherever you want. And, yeah, don't yeah. basically don't worry too much about questions. I'm not worrying. I, I couldn't remember where I was going. Uh, but I was going somewhere, I promise. I believe um, in you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like the castle thing, right? Like to extend that metaphor a little bit, like if you just like walk out the door of the castle, when I walked out the door of the castle or when I got kicked out or when the Dean said like, whatever, when a professor said like, I'm just going to fail you. Um, I was like, well, fuck this. I'm not coming back in. Screw you guys. And then I walked away and then I walked into like this, space where people were just kind of hanging out in the grass and like chilling. Um, and I think in some sense, like I, yes. Okay. So I think like in some sense, like the spaces I was trying to be into or be in were so tight and so small mm. just, just cause the fact that it's just like this huge historical momentum behind them. They're just tight and small. That's what they are. And, and there's, there's not a lot of elbow room. I found that like when I leave spaces like that or go outside of spaces like that and I have space to breathe and I have space to move around, it's, it's a lot more freeing and it's like, okay, well, if I relax this constraint on me, I can actually like calm down and I can be in a way that feels really good and communicate with people who want to communicate in the way I want to communicate with them. And we can, engage in relationship because it's pleasurable and because it's fun and because we're interested in 
what we can do together and what we can, how we can relate to each other rather than like feeling like I'm constantly trying to justify myself or justify the things I want to the world maybe, and then create space for them. Like there's, you can just go and create space. You don't have to wait for them to be justified. I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that that's just something that resonates with me. Totally feel you. It's interesting. I, um, I basically almost dropped out of undergrad. Um, and the way I didn't is basically I had taken enough AP classes. I could, um, graduate early and, I, I graduated early and that basically saved my degree of which, you know, I often do think about what if I had mm. done it differently. And <laughs> I have told people before, uh, my dad had a bet with my mom that I wouldn't finish high school. Cause I've just always really struggled with school. Like I get fine grades. Um, but I just, hate it i i hate yeah everything about it um oh my God, yes <laughs> and i guess it's funny because i i don't know i this came up once in uh with other grad students that uh they were like well i love school like that's why i'm here whereas <laughs> i'm like looking at the calendar every year i'm like i'm still in school me me i'm still in school me uh <laughs> so no i just uh, i don't have anything really specific to say about that but i, I vibe yeah I think that the biggest problem with society, Crispy, are the people who like school. And that's, <laughs> you know, if we can just get rid of them, the world would be a much better place. I say that jokingly, but like a little bit like true, like, because if, if the spaces you're in are, are the spaces that constrain your desire and how it flows, like, and there's people that are good at working in very, very constrained spaces to you know, like the, the type of kid who is like loved English class and carried a pencil case around and like loved school and did, you know, beautiful projects just because they wanted to impress a teacher kind of thing. Um, like, like I, I think about all the people who go into like quote unquote successful careers, like, um, you know, high in government or in academia or, um, you know, like powerful positions in society, like not all of them. Right. Cause there's a lot of other things that, like chaos, like maybe whatever that comes around, but, but, but there's, there's some kind of, um, uh, unrestrainedness to like the expression of the desire of their life. And it's like, okay, there's, this just works and this creates, you, you just swam through the channel and it worked. Like you have no other understanding of this as then something that worked. Right. Or, or even if like there's somebody who doesn't like it, like this is just how you know how to swim and you haven't had any other experience swimming in other environments. Um, yeah. And it's like, this is, this is what will be created as a result of your life work will be the furthering of like these social relational structures. Right. Uh, even if you don't like them, like it's just what'll happen. Cause that's where you the energy of your life is going. I think. Absolutely. It's interesting. I think I, you know, um, 50 or 60% agree with you. Um, <laughs> I think the first 40% is basically, I agree that, um, that basically there is a group of people and 
the way either they decide to swim immediately or the way that they're kind of learn how to swim is, is the direction of the current. And that mm-hmm. basically is the current eventually. Yeah. Um, it creates the current. Um, and I think that's, that's always definitely struck me as funny. Um, and I think specifically the, the other, the next 20% of agreement is that I do think the current one is essentially bureaucratic that the people who are more comfortable with bureaucracies basically do win. Um, but I think the 40% of disagreement comes from, I basically think that at any moment in human society, it's basically always people who, because of various things, um, because of upbringing, because of, um, like culture, because of all of these different things and the thing that the book that they read when they were seven, that they really liked, um, it becomes a basically, you know, push back and forward of culture and, and what kind of where the current is going and where the current allows people to go. And I, I guess I fundamentally don't think that there's any getting rid of that. I don't think there's a still no. space. And I don't no. think that there is even like a, a current that goes in equal directions. But what I do wish that um, is that I wish it was uh, easier to change and easier to whittle your way into kind of a tributary. And I think both of those things are very difficult right now. You mean like on an individual level or like changing the flow of the whole, the whole stream? Uh, like being part of a substream that you can kind of create. So like, for instance, I think it's significantly more difficult to create a small business in America than, um, than let's say not like, ever but maybe then 20 or 40 years ago um mm, i think there's a few things that contribute to that one is that a lot of people who are the age they would be starting businesses don't have a lot of money another thing is that there's a lot of regulation and so i think even though these are kind of mundane things the reality is that when a bunch of 20 somethings get together and have an idea for something they can make if it's not the next social media platform, they're mm. not getting VC funding. And yeah. then they don't have the ability to kind of make something that's not legible to the mainstream. Yeah. yeah. Can you relate? I like that imagery a lot. Can you relate that back to what you want? Absolutely. So I I want a place where it's not necessarily... So I don't think we're ever going to fight that there's like some kind of main style that um, that people of that style are basically going to, you know, be the people who constitute the current regime of society. Um, but I do think there are play- ways to make a culture where it's easier to create a new space and have that mm-hmm. space kind of try to be something in and of itself. And I think one of the ways, like the main way in which that needs to happen is it needs to be possible for you to make money doing something that do it into an in a new niche that you can invent by finding people who are like minded enough. Um, and I think that's pretty difficult right now. And I think it's funny because in theory, I think it should be easier because the world is bigger um, and like you have more access to people um, because of the internet. But I think in reality, it's very difficult um, to basically actually 
spin off and do something like make a new kind of community somewhere or um, decide on a on a on a business plan that serves a niche audience because I think the world is also so unstable that that's just never a safe thing and most of the infrastructure is designed to facilitate very large groups of people or very large businesses and therefore it's very difficult to just go and make your niche subculture and so I guess I focus a lot on these mundane things that you know basically sound uh, a little bit a little bit like a political platform, those small businesses and stuff. But I really do think that it's become basically impossible to swim against a stream because the stream is simply so big. There's nowhere left to go. Mm. Yeah, the the kind of vibe that I get from what you say, like, is something that I hear over and over and over again, and like nearly everyone I talk to, like everyone wants some place to be uh, like sheltered maybe, or um, like a little eddy to be like, okay, this is where I can breathe. This is where I can have my relationships. And this is where we can create something. And I, and I can put my energy into loving the people I'm with and loving the work I'm doing. Like I hear a lot of talk about, you know, like, let's go build a commune, even as a meme, like that's like, Oh, that's totally. something real. Cause it came from real experiences, right? Like let's go build a commune or like, let's start a business or like, like these things are like, they feel like all the same expression of the same thing is like, there's no breathing room for me or like a community that I kind of don't really have, but I, I know the shape of, and I want it. Um, yeah. And that, that just screams like th- there's, there's some desire there. Right. And there's some desire that keeps getting blocked. And you see that because everybody is sublimating it and, and that kind of language comes up in like everybody I talk to. So like for, for, for me, like the questions become almost like, okay, how do I connect to people and how do I find people that I love that I can invest in our relationship just for the sake of that relationship and then like hold it with an open hand to say like, huh, I'm going to wait and I'm going to see if this turns into something material in the sense of like, I don't know, like creating a scene together or maybe digital, maybe like moving to the same city or like, I don't know, like something like let's, let's build something. What are we waiting for? Why are we, why are we like prancing around and, and, and not committing to each other or something? Does, what, does any of that resonate with you? It, it definitely resonates. I think the main reaction I have, though, is something akin to fear in terms of, don't you think it's a very difficult world to do that in right now? Yeah. Hmm. I think it's a very difficult world. I think I, I don't know any other world, so I can't comment. <laughs> I think it's more or less difficult, right? But, like, I also know that, like, that, that, um, it, what is, what is easy is, is, is what is, hmm, what is allowed by society is, is easy. And the things that we want, but aren't getting like almost by definition, like aren't being allowed space for, right? So like anything that we want, it's just like this, this whole view of history is like this ecological process happening. Like there's, there's niches that like desire to be created so that they can be filled and sometimes they they aren't created and sometimes they aren't filled and sometimes they're created but not filled. And sometimes they're created, filled, and they take off and they explode and change everything. Um, and sometimes they're just they're just stable and persist for a while. 
the, the, the thing that really struck me was like the first couple of words you said, like there's this fear, right? And I come from a very, I came from a very religious background, a very evangelical Christian growing up. So I have lots of Bible memorized because that's what they do. Um, and like, there's this verse in first uh, John, I think that talks about, you know, perfect love casting out fear. And mm. I, I just love that kind of equivalency or relationship there because, because sometimes I notice fear or hesitancy within my me for doing something. And, and it's like, huh, if I'm fearing, that means I'm not loving. And, and what are we here for? Or like, what, what is, what do I want? I want to love people and I want to be loved. Right. So like, there's this almost like risk or uncertainty or stepping out into that dangerous zone or like taking a step, maybe at a slight angle to the current that it's flowing in and saying like, no, like I'm, I'm trusting in this thing that is within me that has this desire or I'm trusting in something and I'm going to step out and I'm going to see what happens because I love this direction or I love this um, relationship with this group of people or I love something and I'm, I'm going to step out in a way, maybe even at just a slight angle to the current to create more space for it and see what happens next. Totally. I really vibe with that. And I, and I think, you know, the thing which I, I do try to embody myself, um, not always successfully that, that I, I see in that, um, is that I think there, there's a kind of love for the attempt, right? That like, I think a way that I can, especially cause I'm a, a planner and I want to make plans, especially cause often I feel like I'm making plans so that I can allow people who don't want to make plans to join me in a way mm. that I'm, I'm somehow holding up the tent somehow. Yeah. Um, but I, I can get into this mindset of it, it's completion of the plan that matters when I, I do think I do care a lot more about completion of the plan for various <laughs> reasons and various parts of consequentialism. But I think in the undergoing of the plan, the point is once you've decided on action, the joy should be in taking action um, and the acknowledgement of a possibility of failure uh, and I think that what I see in you saying, well, maybe you just push it out at the angle, you know, at this small angle is like, the point is that you're pushing and you've decided to push this way. And you're doing that by definition, because it's something that you care about. And and I really empathize with that. Yeah. Like, I think in some sense, like, if what we want is more spaces where people care, or like a space where we can care, uh, we, we need to value, like, the 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 creation of or the expendency of effort right like the um i completely forgot my train of thought it's gone it's gone i like what you said though i like what you said i'm trying to remember there was something earlier that you made me think of it was right before um you quoted john i'm trying to think Take your time. Nah, it's gone. But what I will say is that, like, I totally feel you. And I definitely do feel that I engage less and less with the core aspects of 
you know, my dreams. And I think that makes me sad. I feel like I, I start engaging a lot more with the logistics of my dreams than mm. the dreams themselves, which is a very dangerous thing to do and that you're reminding me of. Um, and I think one of the things that I seek on Twitter and in a lot of my digital spaces is to reinvigorate that because I don't want to really engage with people who aren't helping me get there because I, I have enough bureaucracy in the rest of my life, basically. Um, but I, at the same time, I think it's very natural for me for one, once I want, once I kind of get a semi loose community in a place to formalize it and try to make it go towards a goal. And in that way, I think actually often that's a counterproductive effect. Um, because there is a place I think for formalization and I'm, I guess I'd like, I told you, I often feel like it falls to me to do that because I'm willing to. But at the same mm -hmm. time, I think it's exactly like what we talked about way at the beginning of this conversation that there is, once you legibilize something, you're not really legibilizing it, you're legibilizing some version of it that was legible. Um, yeah. And then you lose the rest. Yeah. There's something you said right at the beginning of that, something about, I, I if you remember the phrasing, tell me, because I loved it. I don't... Uh, connect with the people I really, really vibe with was kind of the vibe I get, or I don't go after what I really, the core goal, I think is what you said. Oh, yes. I, I stop engaging with the content of my dreams and start engaging with logistics too much. Yeah. Um, like I think of this uh, like two verse parable in uh, the gospel of Matthew that like has been so core for me like the last year or two. Um And um, I, I pulled up this thing on my phone that I wrote back at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm just going to read it. Hell yeah. Um, so this is just a quick paragraph from it. Uh, do you remember when Jesus talked about the treasure in the field where the man finds the treasure and sells all that he owns to buy the field so that he can then possess the treasure? He did that because of the surpassing worth of the treasure. That's the goodness that's set before us, the kingdom for us to work within and build together. And when brokenness sets goodness before you, and it always does, there's only one rational response. You fling yourselves towards it over and over and over and over and over again, because nothing else is worth your time. And that's been like a huge theme for me lately has been like this idea of like, okay, if there's something I want or something I value, I, I want to want that so completely, right? Like I, I want to chase after it because if I think it's valuable and if I think it's worthwhile, then nothing else is worth my time. And I just love that kind of like way of thinking about it. Cause it, it just, I don't know, for me, it just makes it really um, tangible. It's like, what the fuck am I doing? Wasting my time with things that I don't actually enjoy or don't believe in or don't want to manifest more of like, I, I want what I want. And if I want what I want, I want to chase what I want really wholeheartedly. I totally agree. I think something that I struggle with a lot too is I feel like sometimes I remember that, that exact idea that I, that I really totally agree with and I get better at it for a little bit. And then I realize that I love too many things and I'm kind of like my joy 
is driving the rest of me mad that like mm-hmm. my body can't keep up with this and I go I like want to sleep less and I have all of these things and I I remember telling my friend in high school um you know like I feel like I have enough desire for a hundred lifetimes um and I don't think that's an uncommon um feeling especially in our circles uh um, but I'm curious if you have any thoughts on it because I feel like you know I was like literally writing these down yesterday that I was like okay I want to try to have a list of just the things that I care about getting good at now and there were just you know depending on how you count it there were between 10 and 15 and I was like this is crazy like how can I do this but also how can I cross anything off of this list um and you know yeah. in many ways that's so formal and that's ridiculous but at the same time I'm a guilty person and so if I don't have that formal list then I'll start realizing I didn't do something for the last week like I didn't play guitar for the last week and I'll be like I'll look at my beautiful guitar on my on its stand and I'll be like how could I leave this object all alone um so yeah I'm just curious about what you feel about that that overwhelming sensation oh dude I've felt that so many times like that was like the that's been the theme of my life so many times um like I'll make these oh my god stupid stupidly long list of like here's the things i want to do here's the things i want to achieve they're all so beautiful there's these things i want to study there's these people i want to like relate to and like ah this is just overwhelming like how much beauty and like anything there is to pursue um yeah i totally feel that i th- uh one of the hmm, the really core i think realization for me with those kind of feelings and especially with language kind of touching back on that is, is that bringing it into the body and into the present moment and realizing that what you are desiring, what I desire in a moment, if it manifests as like this huge long list is a desire that is grounded in and of the current moment. Right? So like there, I have one life. I am a living creature. Right. And there is something in me that's being desired that's that I am seeing maybe in some kind of way that's causing it to refract into all these many, many, many different things. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's all an emergence of the desire to be and the desire to be now. Um, and I think when we use language and when we think in language, even by ourselves, especially we, we have this idea that like we can look at the future or we can plan or we can, um, separate things out into different things when really everything is all just the same thing. It's so, like one of the things I try to do is, um, especially if I kind of feel like all these poles in the same direction or different directions is to, Uh, like just lay down for a second and just hold all of them and let them all kind of be in my awareness just as they are. And just kind of just, just sit there until I feel that like they're all kind of in my awareness and I'm bringing other desires into my awareness. And I'm, I'm bringing the fact that I'm here now into my awareness. I'm just letting it sit for a moment and I'm just feeling what the shape of, all those things kind of, if you draw a line around them feels like, um, and, and then I sit with it and I just kind of let it affect me. And I, in, in a way that feels like absorbing those things from this, like kind of linguistic construct 
back into my um, body. Not that they're not already in my body, but, but that I'm just letting them kind of sit and then coalesce and merge together into one thing. And, you know, oftentimes it just comes back to like, gosh, I'm really excited to be alive right now. And I, I just love being alive. And I'm so like, I'm so live right now. And I, I love it. And then, but with whatever ways I'm thinking about it, it just refracts it into all these like many, many different things that I think I should or have to do or want to do in the future or now or later. Um, and then usually what happens is that I, I end up making a short list of things like, okay, I want to drink water. I want to sweep the floor. I want to go for a walk. I want to call this friend and then I'm going to go to bed. And and then I just enjoy that. And I hold the enjoyment that I was projecting the future with all those things just, and I just hold it with me and it, it just feels really good. And it just simplifies a lot. Um, not to say that I, I don't want to pursue things, but I think a way that I'm learning how to pursue things is by investing in relationships with people or, um, even physical objects like the house I live in, like taking care of my house and then, and then letting the opportunities um, when those desires come up in the present moment and it feels right to act on them, then acting on them. And, and the, the investment I've made into those relationships is like this, this field where I can then play in or reap or sow or, um, or, or act on those, those desires in the moment. Right. So like I, I, if I have a friend um, like for example, like there was this, um, uh, programming book I really wanted to go through, like this classic, uh, structure interpretation of computer programs about like lists. Classic indeed. And I was like, I really want to do this. It sounds so cool. And like, I bet it would give me this really great thing. So I bought the book a few months ago. I tried to work through it. I just got like really distracted. I was like, whatever, I'll just set it aside. Um, but then I started investing in like this friendship with a Twitter friend. And who lives near me, uh, virtual instinct. Right. And, uh, we like hung out a few times, whatever. And then we were like, Hey, we should do something like a project to like do a book together. It'd be really fun. And then we just somehow both decided like, let's do that book. Um, and it was like, wait a second. Like there was this field that was prepped like in a relationship. And, and now is the time where that desire can actualize. Cause like you enjoy doing things in a relationship, right. Uh, talking to myself and, and that it's just, it's ready for it. Like it's the moment is here. It's come versus like the moment is in the future or there's lots of moments in the future to pursue. That's a lot, but I'm trying to say just one thing. I like it. It was really beautiful. And it really touched me because when I think about it, I can really, really see how, my desire to do all of these things, part of it maybe, maybe, is my desire to have done them, maybe. But I think most of it is if I could be assured that at every moment I could be working on one of these interesting, beautiful, challenging things, mm. then I wouldn't feel this nervousness. But I feel this nervousness because somehow I have this worry which i don't know how well founded it is that i'm going to be backed in this corner of boringness and i think one of the reasons i have that fear is because a lot of what i feel like i have to do in my career i think is boring and frankly not very useful Mm. um 
and so I think there's this worry always about the encroaching of like the grayness, uh, the beigeness of things. Um, and I, I think that's, it creates this anxiety and, and what you're saying about, well, but what I'm really just excited to be alive really resonates with me. Hmm. Yeah. I like that quite a bit. Thanks for saying that. Absolutely. I think we're reaching the end. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss? I feel like we're at a good spot. I've really enjoyed this. Um, yeah, this, that, this felt really yeah, good. I, I, I think, I think it was excellent. I think your last, um, little bit was really profound. Uh, yeah. So just thank you for sharing it with me. Thank you for sharing this time with me. And it's really been energizing. I honestly was in a bit of a grumpy mood before this, but I feel in a totally different place now. So thank you. Oh, that makes me so glad. I'm smiling right now. You can't see it, but yeah. <laughs> me too. That's good. Cool. I like it. <laughs> Excellent.